Hey, we've got an interview with Brian Boone of Passion Life. The Love Times 2 podcast starts now. Welcome to 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Here is your host, Mike Victor. Hey, welcome back to the Love Times 2 podcast. Really glad you can join us today because we have a special guest that we're going to be talking to. And this is actually step one of a larger effort in 2021 to expand our format, to include more and more interviews, and just to bring people onto the podcast to share what they're doing, what their ideas are, and just from their personal life experiences so that you can be encouraged and uh, maybe uh, just kind of be some thought-provoking stuff that we're going to put out there. So we're excited about this. We're excited about the opportunities that this brings to the table. And our first guest that we have actually is Brian Boone, who's with us today. And uh, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Mike. And thanks for inviting me to be a part of what you're doing at Love Times 2. We believe so much in what you're doing and are excited about not only what you're doing now, but what the future holds. So thanks for inviting me to come on today. We've known sure. each other for many years, and uh, as you know, for my first 20 years of ministry, I served as a pastor, and we got connected back then uh, as I was serving here in Indianapolis as a pastor and supporting the pro-life movement back then through Pregnancy Center Ministry and also Indiana Right to Life, and then six years served as uh, President and CEO of Life Centers here in Indianapolis, where we had nine locations in four counties, and that's where I was so blessed to be a part of the movement then to see at, at a ground level, how local pregnancy centers make a difference in their own community and neighborhood, not only by rescuing babies, but saving moms and dads and also doing post-abortive recovery and follow-up and all that happens in, in conjunction with the local church. And then the last few years, been serving in global missions and currently working with Passion Life, which is uh, seeking to bring uh, reach the most vulnerable women and, and children and babies in the most uh, the, the, the darkest places of the earth where abortion is most concentrated, because even though the abortion is such a major issue still in our country, only 3% of abortions take place worldwide in the United States, 97% of abortions are overseas. So there's a huge work to be done. And really, what's happening in our country is a great source and resource to help educate pastors and churches overseas. So I feel blessed to be a part of what the Lord's doing and just to share and interact with you today is a great honor. Thank you for having me. Well, hey, it's our pleasure to have you on the podcast today. And down the road, we certainly would like to have some other folks from Passion Life come on, share more about that ministry and how folks can get involved. And, you know, that's really at the heartbeat of Love Times, too. We want to highlight different ministries. Uh, we want to steer people into engagement opportunities and just celebrate uh, and also surface solutions that folks maybe they aren't thinking about right now. Uh, but there are a lot of incredible folks doing a lot of really cool stuff around the world. And we just want to be an amplifier for that on the program. But, you know, Brian, I'm, I'm curious. I know that you've been involved with ministry to help moms and babies for quite some time now. And uh, have you seen any changes over the years? Like, can you identify some things that are different than perhaps when you first started? You know, back 20 or even 30 years ago, as we were beginning and the, the whole pregnancy center movement and in partnership with your organization, you know, it was mainly a rescue movement and very, very much in its infant stages in terms of development using technology. And I think some things haven't changed in a good way. I believe that there's still a, a wonderful foundation of prayer that volunteers and pastors and 
board leaders and our staff that serve on the ground have to maintain their walk with the Lord and keeping the gospel as a priority and and seeing the Lord's call upon their lives as being one of compassion and caring and keeping uh, the gospel in focus into what we do. But also, it's been exciting, for, at least for me to see, and I think you attested this too in, in your work, that the technology has changed. And we have a greater opportunity today through social media and through other technologies to reach women and their families in ways that are perhaps, to begin with, more confidential to market what we're doing and to get our message out, even in spite of some of the so-called censorship of today and some of those challenges, there still is an open door to communicate in our neighborhood and also to use technology to reach where perhaps we couldn't five or ten years ago. And that's that's a huge open door where clients and potential clients can click on and learn and get resources at their fingertips before making an appointment and getting counseling and confidential counseling over the phone or over the Internet, which is a, a huge breakthrough. So some of those things have changed. I think also what's been encouraging to see, for example, I was I was reading the other day, and, and you're right about there's so many good things happening. We need to celebrate those because we don't read about that in the media. It's not being reported as much. And I think, too, in the body of Christ, we need to celebrate what God is doing and give him glory for the things he's doing because there are some amazing works. For example, I was reading the other day about Prestonwood Baptist Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. They just celebrated 90,000 saved babies. Prestonwood Baptist, almost 29 years ago, sponsored and built their first pregnancy resource center. And here's a church, obviously, Jack Graham and Prestonwood, it's a huge mega church, but this was 30 years ago. And they were on the the so-called cutting edge back then of a church, a Southern Baptist church. We're going to build our own. We're going to, as a church, actually build a pregnancy center. And they put it right across from Planned Parenthood. So I was reading the article and I thought, how did, I said 90,000, how did that happen? Well, in 29 years. So they've, they have had over 100,000 clients reach 90,000, save 90,000 babies. And 400 this last year have trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, men and women who've come to the center. They've opened two other centers. They've been strategic in their approach. But it was a great uh, testimony of what can happen over the long haul. And also, it made me think about, you know, if every church sponsored and got a, maybe maybe uh, a church can't build like they were able to build and have their own center, it's independent from the church, but they, they staff it, they provide for it financially, they support it in prayer, it's one of their mission works, and if, if a church or a group of churches would get together and just support their local center in that kind of tangible way, it begins to change a whole community at a grassroots level, and that's pretty exciting. So I, I was encouraged to read that. I hadn't heard about Prestonwood's testimony, but there, there are places like that that the Lord is doing a great work. Yeah, and let me just jump in on that as well. I mean, we go so far back uh, in both of our lives and ministry that we remember the day when the internet and email was actually something really unique and cool and nobody really understood it. Uh, but we've seen those, that, that game changing technology, uh, both in that and in a lot of other areas as well. But let me ask you this. You mentioned Preston Wood, and I know there are a lot of churches that are really doing some great things to support, uh, moms and babies and, uh, in a lot of different fashion, uh, a lot of different fashions. But, um, what is your experience? I mean, would you say, that every church is fully engaged and it's at the maximum level right now, or is there a lot of room for growth? Well, Mike, we found this to be true, and I think it is still true, where I'm so grateful for the pastors and churches who get it, who really 
read the scriptures and understand that life is all about God, that he creates life, that he values life, that every life is sacred. What is heartbreaking still are those pastors, churches, denominations and and movements or association of churches that still uh, hold it at arm's length because they see it in our country, at least, as, as only a political issue or a legislative mandate that needs to be changed. And so that's the short answer to that is there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I think uh, beginning education-wise and in the schools and, and predominantly homeschool and Christian schools and also Bible colleges and seminaries to be able to teach uh, pro-life ethics and the gospel of life in those settings to help educate Gen Z right now, which depending on what you read, Gen Z is is in many areas more pro-life than the previous generation in some areas, less affiliated with a religious uh, group or the local church. So there's so much work that needs to be done, just like in evangelism. Every new generation needs to be evangelized, and I think every new generation that we're facing right now needs to be educated and motivated to do more because with all the resources that are available and all the potential in the local church, there's so much more that can be done, and I think it's an exciting time to get involved, but there's also a great need for praying to raise up a new generation of leaders who will pray, who will serve, and who will give. So, yes, <laughs> there's a lot to be done, a lot of work to be done, as long as, as, long as abortion is still uh, occurring in our land as it is. And uh, even though with, with such uh, successes that have been made and such links to which there's been progress, there's, there's so much more that could be done and should be done. Brian, I'm curious on your take on this. Uh, it's been my position for a long time that uh, abortion recovery ministry is one of the most untapped mission fields in the United States. I mean, there are tens of millions of women. Uh, there are men who have been involved with those abortion decisions who just have this tremendous weight that's on their heart, on their soul. It's just really a burden that they bear uh, consistently. And oftentimes uh, they just don't know what to do with all of that pain that they are feeling. Uh, do you agree with that? Do you think that the entire ministry of, of uh, abortion recovery is something that still is a major unmet need? That is so important for pastors to be sensitized to that because any given Sunday, as you said, there'll be people in the pew in those seats or watching or listening online because abortion is so pandemic throughout our society and culture all over all these years that there are people who are in bondage. They're not yet forgiven and set free who need the gospel of forgiveness and they can be forgiven and set free by the shed blood of Christ and have that freedom. And some of our greatest missionaries in the pregnancy resource clinics were those who had come through that forgiven and set free ministry, who found forgiveness and then were able to go back in and help those make right choices or find forgiveness as well. So I, I agree with you. There's such a, there's almost like a cloud of, of um, maybe the words judgment or a cloud of, depression over so many people because they may not fully understand that that's what's holding them back or it's something in their past that they don't know how to deal with but the lord can can set us free from that and there's good news that we have to share okay switching gears just a little bit here brian i know that you have a pastoral background and a lot of people right now how do i put this um there's an anger there's a resentment there is just this uh there's this percolating 
angst that's under the surface. A lot of it is election related and a lot of it is just where a lot of things are going culturally right now. But what word would you have to share with believers in Christ who right now are just feeling maybe really alienated, feeling angry, feeling upset, feeling confused? What would you say to them? I was um, listening and reading one of my heroes the other day, Adrian Rogers, who was such an amazing pastor who's now with the Lord. And he was a strong, strong pro-life advocate and how he recently said how our only hope is God and our only resource is prayer. So in some ways, things haven't changed. And we have to have a long view of history as we read through the scriptures, as we study church history. I was um, a great book that has has revolutionized my thinking and it just puts it so well. Erwin Lutzer just wrote a book at the end of 2020 called We Will Not Be Silenced. And his subtitle is Responding Courageously to Culture's Assault on Our Christianity. It's a great book because he goes through all the issues that you and I can name about what we're facing today. And this was written as the election was happening. And and uh, he, he, he reviews the last couple of decades and where we are today. And he has this passage in the book where he refers to Augustine and where Augustine, he talks about Augustine who loved the city of Rome. He was a, he, he loved Rome and all that Rome would offer. And when Augustine was told that vandals and in those days terrorists had trashed Rome, Augustine's reported to have said, whatever men build, men will destroy. Hmm. So Augustine said, let's get on with building the kingdom of God. His point was, you know, that's going to happen. Whatever men build, men will destroy. And, and our, our purpose is still to know Jesus Christ and make him known. And there's hope for the, our country. There's hope because yeah. just as God sent Jonah to Nineveh, and Nineveh was a godless uh, community and city that was under the judgment of God, they were called to repent, and God relented. God did not destroy Nineveh because of those few that repented. So there's there's still hope, I believe, that that we as a country can turn back to God, but more importantly, the church needs to wake up and return to our basics, return to knowing who we are, what we believe, and I'm more concerned about the church than our culture, because if the church wakes up and is revived, then our country has hope. So it's really, we're at a crossroads, I think, for the church to return to fervent, persistent, believing prayer and preaching the gospel, equipping young people, and teaching our families, and building on that foundation that God's given us in his word. And when that happens, I think the country will turn a corner, and there's there's hope then for the culture at large. But until that happens, really it has to begin with the church. Yeah, and here's one of those stump the pastor questions, I guess. You know, we're commanded in Scripture to pray for those in authority. I'll be the first to admit, I mean, that's that's not easy. There are a lot of times where um, yeah, I just don't feel like that. And I know a lot of folks maybe are, are feeling that way as well. And yet we look at God's Word and we're either obedient to it or we're not obedient to it. So uh, what is your reflection on our call to pray for all of those who are in authority? Well, I think you hit on it, and you were, you know, I just read one of your recent letters, Mike, where you quoted First Timothy 2, that very passage that Paul tells Timothy in a very godless, atheistic regime of that day, idolatrous regime, to pray for all those in authority, for kings and all people. And it's, it is hard because we like to pray for those that we like, <laughs> or those that are aligned <laughs> exactly. with us, those, those that are the winners on our team, and 
And we live in a day where we're no longer the home team. We don't have home team field advantage anymore in many areas. So it's, it's very difficult to pray for those. And one of the marks of a Christian, as Jesus told us and the scriptures tell us, you know, we're told to pray for those who persecute us, do good to those who do evil, don't return evil for evil. And so will we not be the most recognized as being countercultural and otherworldly in a positive way by how we pray for those in authority from our pulpits and in our prayer meetings? And I was, I was encouraged to read, we, I lead a, um, on occasionally a midweek Zoom prayer meeting in our little church, whoever can join it. And so we've been praying. And one of the things um, we've been using, the Family Research Council just put out a a little piece called uh, Pray, Vote, Stand. And there's seven things to pray for, for our current leaders and the current Congress and the current state houses. And it's all biblical. It's positive. Like pray for righteousness for our nation, for godly leaders to be raised up, for them to be encouraged and strengthened and to pray for those who don't know the Lord, to come to the Lord and for righteousness to reign even in a day of darkness. So there's so many things we need to pray for, but you're exactly right. It's it's not easy to pray in the right spirit for those who seek to do us harm. But our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, when we connect with them, one of the most amazing things they ask us to pray for is not for even the removal of those difficulties, but they would be used in those very tragic situations to be salt and light to their captors, to their persecutors, to stand for Christ like Stephen did in the book of Acts and was able to give glory to God even in the face of, of the ultimate giving of his life. So there's, um, I, you know, I think about what we are undergoing in our day in this country, which can be challenging. It's not to the level of what's happening in other countries. So we've got it pretty easy still in many ways. And, and uh, we're still called based on what the Bible says, to pray for those leaders. It is a command, and so we need to follow through and and trust that God will honor our prayers in praying for our leaders, even when they may not be the one or ones we voted for. And just to bring some clarity on that as well, when we pray for leaders and those in authorities, again, it's easy to pray for those that we like or those that agree with everything that we agree upon. But uh, it's difficult to pray for those who may have a totally different uh, intentions, totally different uh, methodologies and so forth. And so, for example, for somebody that wants to expand the number of abortions and see the numbers of, of kids who die from abortion go even higher, uh, we're not praying for evil plans to succeed. We're praying for God to change the hearts of leaders and really taking it to heart and taking it based on our own experience. God changed our hearts. So we weren't perfect. God didn't put us on his team like, you're so great, I've got to have you on my team, so that's why you're here. God changed every single one of us, and therefore, we're crying out for God to change the hearts of leaders. If they're following ungodly patterns, then we're just saying, God, change some hearts here, but also just praying in confidence and faith, knowing that his perfect will is going to be accomplished. So with that said, we're going to switch gears one more time here and look at a different area, and that is the area of adoption. You know, so many times we hear about adoption as the loving option to abortion, but we don't hear about that enough. Uh, tell us why adoption is so important to you. Oh, thank you for that question, because it is. I'm, I'm uh, like Michael Reagan's book, Twice Adopted. That's my story, because my uh, birth mother 
had an option to abort. This is way before Roe v. Wade, but in the culture and community she was in, she was given a choice either to abort or to adopt. And so at birth uh, and before birth, she made arrangements to surrender me to adoption and she made a choice for life. So I'm very grateful she did. And I was the word Boone, my adopted name, it means blessing. And I feel like you do, Mike, that in Christ, we are blessed to be a blessing. And, and, um, I felt so blessed that I was adopted into a church-going home that knew the Lord, that attended church. I heard the gospel at an early age. And as it turns out, years later, I was able to meet my birth mom. And for the purpose of telling her, not asking for anything, but just to thank her for the gift of life, thank her for making that decision. And my concern was that she would know the Lord. And I found in that meeting that she knew Christ and had been following him. And uh, just recently, uh, she... Uh, just passed and went to be with the Lord, and I was invited. It was such an honor. I was able to uh, speak and preach at her funeral and give testimony to her life and her ministry that she had. So I'm so grateful that she chose life, and I believe that adoption is one of the greatest um, ministries and that any Christian can do, and th- there's such a need for it today with, with foster care and adoption, not only cross-culturally overseas, but in our country. There's a a great need for it. And I just want to encourage everyone with love times two and those who may be listening or wanting to uh, make a difference. Adoption is a wonderful thing that uh, you can make a difference in a child's life for a generation to come. So I'm very grateful. Hey, thanks for coming on today, Brian. This is actually all the time we have for this episode of the podcast, but I really appreciate your ministry. A lot of moms, a lot of babies have benefited from the passion that you have for protecting life, and you are in, you are really putting out there what it means to make the world a better place for moms and babies. So I look forward to having you come back on. We'll talk about this and some more stuff uh, at a future time. And for those of you who are listening, I hope you like the interview format. Uh, Bear with us as we struggle through learning some new technology. We're, we're trying different software, uh, different microphones, all kinds of different stuff because we really want to uh, make this a meaningful podcast and we want to make it a quality podcast for you. If you've got ideas of things that you'd like for us to talk about or maybe you've got a favorite author or somebody that you think should come on for an interview, uh, send me an email at podcast at lovetimes2.org. Same thing if you have a business and maybe you'd like to sponsor this podcast, uh, we'd be very appreciative of that. So always remember Remember that our mission is to make the world a better place for moms and babies, including unborn babies. We cannot leave them behind. Uh, but with this world in so much turmoil right now, it's very clear. It's clearer than it's ever been in our lifetime that Christ-centered culture change is so necessary uh, to really make an impact in our world today. It's the priority that always should have been, and it's the new priority that must be right now. Never forget, change the culture and the politics will follow. This has been 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Join us in the journey at lovetimes2.org. That's love, the letter X, and the number 2, dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening.